0: Thank you, Spirit of Grace, for leading us so capably in worship this morning. A little bit of a blend of traditional and contemporary, mainly contemporary, but uh, thank you for that, and uh, thank you for engaging worship with us this morning. The psalmist says to sing a new song to the Lord, not just all the old ones over and over again. And uh, sometimes we like to do that, but uh, some of these may be new for some of you, and uh, so we thank you for your willingness to to try them out, and to try to sing along and worship with us as best you can. Here at Grace Church, the Word of God is really important to us, and uh, we always read some scripture every Sunday we get together, and there's a kind of a primary scripture passage that we read about this time in the service. And today it's just one simple verse, and I'm guessing that probably most everybody here already knows this verse, or you've at least heard of it. Anybody here... Here of John 3.16, okay, it's probably the most familiar verse that ever was, that ever exists in the whole Bible. The words are on the screen. This is our scripture lesson today. Let's just read it together, shall we? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I think it's he gave his one and only, not he have. Let's pray together. God and Father, thank you again for this opportunity to worship you today. And thank you that we can gather in this place. So Lord, come and be near to us and speak through me. Anoint this message. Anoint us all as we listen and hear what it is that the Spirit is saying to the church today? Come, Holy Spirit, come. We pray this all in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Friends, brothers, and sisters, people loved by God, how, do you like making decisions? Are you a good decision maker? Anybody like? How many of you is like say I make snap decisions? I make good, quick decisions. How many of you are in that category? Some people they just kind of follow their gut and they just they can make a good decision. Not that many. So how many of you are in that category? Okay. How many of you are probably more like me? You kind of weigh things up one side and down the other and you're like, okay, sometimes you're stuck a little bit, but then, but you usually make a good reason, more bad. You take time to make decisions. How many of you take some time to make decisions? Right. It looks like the majority of you. Oh, good. I'm not alone in that. Thank God. So how many decisions do you think you make every day? I looked online, I Googled this, and guess what? It turns out the experts say, you're not even going to believe this because I don't, but that we make an average of about 35,000 decisions every day. I couldn't believe it. I had to go back. There there was a few other sources that said the same thing, around 35,000 decisions. Now, most of those decisions, as you know, we make automatically. We don't even think about putting one foot in front of the other. So I don't know how they counted that and came up with 35,000. You know, a lot of decisions, you know, what we eat, what we wear, those are things that are kind of routine. Are we going to take a shower? I hope you did. Okay. Uh, or, you know, do I brush my teeth? You know, we just make these decisions along the way, right? And uh, most of the time they just flow. Other decisions take a little bit more thought, right? Okay. Uh, you know, um, am I going to be uh, a Packers fan or a Vikings fan? Okay? Or a Chiefs fan? Okay? All right. So we, we have to engage a little bit more thought. Maybe, um, you know... Um, Are are you going to go to college, okay, when you graduate? Will you go to college? If so, what college? Will you have a career? What job will you work at? Uh, Will you get married? Who will you marry? Uh, When will you retire? Some of us are looking at that. Some of you are already there. And uh, those kinds of questions are often ones that require some thought. One of the methods that we often use for making decisions is to weigh kind of the pros and the cons, right? It seems like most of you are kind of in that category here this morning. We look at the benefits, the, the drawbacks. We look at, you know, what the risks and the rewards are going to be to our potential decision-making. And today, I want to invite you to consider making the most important decision of your life. That is the decision to follow Jesus. Maybe some of you have already made that decision. You say, hey, pastor, I'm already a Christian. Good, praise God. And maybe for you, today is a day to rededicate your life to Jesus. Now, I know as a student of Reformed theology, we would believe that God really calls us, that he chooses us. Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And yet, humanly speaking, I still believe there's a need for a kind of response to God. There's at some point in your life where you just have to open your heart and say yes to Jesus. People sometimes wonder, what does Jesus do for me? What are the pros of following Jesus? You know, is Jesus doing anything? Is he just up in heaven sleeping all day? You know, what is Jesus doing? That, uh, that we should even follow him or be inclined to fo- toward following him. Well, today I want to give you six things kind of briefly. You might grab your outline. If you can grab a pen or pencil, you might want to fill them in as we go or just maybe try to remember these six key things. There's so many that we could focus on, so I'll be grateful. I've limited it to six today, so just six, okay? So uh, the first thing that Jesus does that I want to point out for you today is that Jesus creates you. He creates you. The Bible says in John 1, verse 3, through him, that is through Jesus, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Colossians 1:16 says this, for by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him, And for him. Friends, somehow, in ways that I do not fully comprehend, Jesus, the one that we refer to as the second member of the Trinity, there's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, which we've just sung about. But God the Son, in ways that we don't even fully comprehend, was somehow also present in his uh, pre-existent, pre-coexistent, pre-incarnate form. Jesus was somehow present with God the Father and an agent of creation from the very beginning. One of the standards of our Reformed faith is something called the Athanasian Creed. I'm sure you all have it memorized. Yeah, right. It puts it this way. We worship one God in Trinity and the Trinity in unity, neither blending their persons nor dividing their essence. What quality the Father has, the Son has, and the Holy Spirit has. Nothing in this Trinity is before or after, nothing is greater or smaller. In their entirety, the three persons are co-eternal and co-equal with each other. That is to say that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have just as much status in the Godhead as God the Father. The psalmist simply said in Psalm 100, Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us. Do you know that out of nearly 8 billion people in the world, say it with me, 8 billion people in the world, that there's only one you and there's only one me. Lucky for you, it's only one me. Okay. There's just one you. Only you have your unique set of fingerprints. Only you have your unique vocal qualities and the tonal qualities to your voice. Only you and your unique personality, no one else. There may be others with similarities, but only you and what, 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 what provokes laughter or crying in you and in your heart is unique to you. And it may not have the same response for other people. I love this old poster. Sometimes I share it with our young people or the children. Maybe some of you have seen it. I know I'm somebody because God don't make no junk, right? Not very good English, but it makes the point. You and I are something special. There's only one of you, and there is value in great rarity. You are rare, and there's value in rarity. The first thing we need to know is that Jesus created you fearfully and wonderfully just for his purpose and you know a lot of us sometimes we think oh there's a certain quality or aspect to me or my personality or my features you know my nose is too big you know how come I'm bald you know uh, we can sometimes question our personal features but know this God has created you just the way you are for a very special purpose on earth Amen? amen you have a purpose Jesus creates you. Praise God for that. Number two, Jesus sustains you. Just say it with me. Jesus sustains you. Not only does Jesus create you, but he cares and provides for you. He supports and sustains you throughout your entire life. From cradle to grave, Jesus is watching over you. The psalmist said in Psalm 34, The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. That is, God gives us everything we need. Psalm 55, verse 22, the one on the screen. Cast your cares on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. I praise God for the good times and the good days in my life. And there are many. The vast majority of my days are good days. I'm so blessed. God has blessed me, and I believe he's blessed all of us. And hopefully you can see that too, and maybe you can say the same thing, that you are happy to be alive. But I have also known days that are very dark. There have been deep, dark nights of the soul as well. And I'm guessing that probably you have also had a few of those dark nights of the soul. That perhaps you too have felt depressed and and frustrated with life. And there have been times in my life where I've wondered which end is up and which, you know, how am I going to make it through this? Will I make it through? And, you know, things could go either way in my life. And it's in those moments that I can look back and I can honestly say, Jesus sustained me. And as I look back over my life, I say, you know what? There's never a time where Jesus wasn't right there guiding me, helping me, encouraging me. And he'll do the same for you. Some of you remember that old poem, Footprints in the Sand. How many of you have heard of that poem? And essentially it goes something like this, that there was a man who, once he had passed on and he made it to heaven, he looked back over his life and he saw two sets of footprints footprints, as if they were walking along the seashore. And he noticed, however, that during the times of his life when he was down and struggling, during the deepest trials of his life, that there was only one set of footprints. And he said, Lord, why was it that in my deepest, darkest moments you deserted me? And Jesus said to him, I didn't desert you. It was then that I carried you. Friends, you may be going through some stuff right now. You may be wondering, how's this all going to turn out? Where where is this going? Where's my life going? Some of you may even be wondering, is life worth it? I'm here to tell you this morning, absolutely, 100%, without a doubt, Jesus is with you, and he will see you through. Amen? Amen? He absolutely will. Number three, Jesus prays for you. Jesus prays for you. Here's one we don't think of that often. But did you know that right now, Jesus is up in heaven at the very right hand of God and he is interceding, he is praying for you. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 34, Christ who died, who more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. That's a fancy word for praying. You see, God knows what's going to happen to you in your life. He sees it all. He knows it before it happens. God knows what will happen the rest of today. He knows what will happen tomorrow. He knows what will happen next month, next year, and for the rest of your life. You see, God sees it all. He sees past, present, and future all at the same time. I I don't understand that, but somehow God sees it all. He is omniscient. He knows all things. And he's praying for you. He's praying for you. He's praying for what's going to come, what's going to happen in your life. Remember how Jesus prayed for Peter before his big test. Jesus was predicting before his disciples, including Peter, that he would be crucified and put to death, he would die. Peter declares, Lord, I would never die for you. Or, excuse me, Peter says to Jesus, Lord, I would die for you. He Kind of flips it around. I would die for you. Now, Jesus knew that Peter was going to deny him three times. And Jesus responds in Luke 22, verse 32 with these words. He says, Peter, I have prayed that you will not lose faith. Jesus was already praying for Peter before his big test, knowing full well that Peter was about to deny Jesus three times and feel incredibly guilty about it afterward. You know the story. Jesus prayed for Peter through the storm that he was about to go through. And Jesus is praying for you too. In fact, he utters from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus is praying for you. It feels good to know that people are praying for us, right? Sometimes somebody comes up alongside and they say, hey, pastor, or hey, you know, "Uh, I'm praying for you. And it makes us feel good, right, to know that somebody's praying, hey, you got some support, thank you, I need those prayers, keep them coming. And by the way, young people, if you've got a grandma who's praying for you to come to Jesus, you might as well give up right now. Because grandmas, they know how to pray. Like some people just seem to have like a direct line right to Jesus, right? And they can just pray right to God and God hears. So you might as well give in. How does it make you feel today to know that Jesus, with all of his power, with all of his access to heaven and the riches therein, that he is praying for you? I don't know about you, but it kind of moves my heart to think that Jesus may be on his knees right now with his hands folded and and is praying to God, interceding for me and for my future. Jesus creates you. Jesus sustains you. Jesus prays for you. And fourthly, Jesus dies for you. Say it with me. Jesus dies for you. All four of the Gospels in the Bible attest to this fact that some 2,000 years ago, there was a man named Jesus who came to earth. He died on a cross to pay the price for your sins and mine and to make you right with God. Romans 5, 6, and verses 6 through 8 puts it this way. At just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for you. You say, well, Pastor, what is this teaching about death? I mean, it, it seems kind of morbid. You know, why would Jesus have to die? So let's do a little review here, just a little basic review, kind of a Gospel 101, just the real Reader's Digest version. Friends, God created this world, He created everything in it, and He created it perfect. God is holy. He cannot accept any sin, any wrongdoing whatsoever. I'm glad that God is, His character is pure and perfect, holy in every way. We just sung it this morning. However, God created human beings, Adam and Eve, you and I, with a choice. We have free will, just as He gave to Adam and Eve. He said, you can eat from any tree in this garden, but there's one tree I forbid you to eat from, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When you eat of it, you will surely die. And guess what they did? They made a beeline right for that tree. Hey, look at this fruit. looks pretty good. You know, Eve's like showing it off to Adam. Yeah, yeah. The serpent's there telling... I mean, it's just crazy. And so they eat it, and they, they fall short of God's holy command. In other words, they sin. They miss the mark. Worse yet... The results of these sins, theirs and ours, is death. Even though it was Adam and Eve who sinned, they stand as representatives for all of mankind, all of humankind. And their sin has been imputed or transferred, if you will, from generation to generation. Just kind of like a disease. It was kind of like in the genetics, kind of in the DNA. You know, I got high blood pressure from my parents. You know, I'm sure I did. You know, they got it. Just some of these things are passed on. The sins... The psalmist says, We were born, I was born in sin. We're in a bad predicament because God is perfect. He cannot accept sin. Man is a sinner. We have sinned. We are separated from God because of our sins, says the Bible, and we are guilty of the death penalty. (sighs) Got some good news, Pastor? Okay. Well, thankfully, there is good news. We need a Savior. We need a person who can somehow obey the will of God perfectly, pay the price for our sins, that is, take the death penalty that we deserve on himself, appease God's wrath toward our sins, and yet somehow be more than a man so he can survive and conquer death and make a way for those who trust in him. Guess what? I know this person. I know who he is. Call Ripley's believe it or not because we know who this person is Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Christ, the Savior, the Messiah, the sent one from God, is the man God who walks in our shoes as a human being perfectly without sin, takes our death penalty, that which you and I deserve, receives it to Himself on the cross. Dies for your sin. That's what that phrase means. He dies for you, for you and me, our sins. Nails them to death on the cross. And then rises again on the third day. This is the gospel. We need a Savior. And praise God, one has been given. You know the verse, we just read it. For God God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not die but have everlasting life. And that's the meaning behind that verse. Today's big question is this. Have you placed your trust in Jesus? Not just do you believe in Him intellectually because even the demons will believe in Jesus. They, in fact, they knew who Jesus was long before most people had figured it out. Ah, oh, you're the Son of God. What do you want with us? You know, Jesus? No. It's, it's a belief and a trust, a surrendering, a giving of your life. This is what God demands from you. Peter said, there's salvation found in no one else. No other name under heaven given to people by which you can be saved. Just Jesus. Jesus himself says to us in John 14, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you accept Jesus, if you trust him fully, you are forgiven, and you now have a right relationship with God. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus dies for you. But there's more. It gets even better yet. Not only does Jesus die for you, but Jesus lives in you. Say it with me. Jesus lives in you. This is what makes Christianity different from any other religion in the world, from any other belief system, any other philosophies. This is the point that makes Christianity different from anything else. We have a God who comes and takes up residence in the hearts and lives of His followers, of those who believe and receive him turn to your neighbor right now whoever you're sitting next to and say jesus is living in you just say that to who's ever next to you amen right now of course that only applies if you've received jesus right but christians what does this mean christians have a new power source it means that it's not all up to you It means that you don't have to keep struggling and and failing and and, and say, oh my goodness, I'll never be good enough for God. Well, guess what? No one's good enough. And this is why Jesus died, to give you an opportunity to come to God through him if you trust him and receive him into your life. Jesus is living in you. You have new batteries in you. You're like the energizer bunny that keeps going, you know? The other night, I woke up in the middle of the night to, beep, beep, beep. You ever hear that sound in the middle of the night? Smoke detector. My battery was going bad. Smoke detector was going to let me know. I'm like, what? That is so annoying. I was too lazy to get up, so I listened to it and was mad all night until I woke up. Then I got up and finally, okay, I'll change it now, you know? So you know what? You have new batteries. You have new batteries. God is living in you, and by the Spirit of Jesus living in you, you have a new energy, an energy that revives you and guides you, convicts you, and comforts you and confirms that you belong to Christ. Paul said in Romans 8, if, you, if you're alive in Christ, if the Spirit of God lives in you. You see, the Christian life is not about imitation, trying to become like Jesus, somebody I'm not, trying to be a good person. That is not Christianity. Christianity is not about trying to imitate and be, be something better. Per, per, Christianity is about participation. In the life of Jesus, which has already been given to you as we receive it freely. Amen? Amen. This is what we believe. It's not a set of rules, rituals, routines, or a religion to obey. It is a relationship with God himself through Jesus Christ. Hear me clearly on this, friends. How many of you know it to be true? Amen? Amen? Finally, just very briefly, Jesus creates you, Jesus sustains you, Jesus prays for you, Jesus dies for you, Jesus lives for you. And guess what? If you're not convinced already, Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. John 15, greater love is known than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. 1 John 3.16, the other John 3.16, this one's 1 John. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us all. Remember the old Sunday school song, Jesus Loves Me? Clear your throat, we're going to sing it. Let's do it, all right? Remember the song, you know it. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Family members will pass away. Friends may leave you. Acquaintances are a dime a dozen. And they come and go throughout life. Young people, boyfriends and girlfriends, can walk out on you. Even your pets will someday die. But there is a love that will last forever. There is a love that is eternal, a love that is constant, a love that is unconditional. The love of Jesus. Jesus loves us so. The question is, do you love Jesus? Do you love Jesus? That's the question this morning that I want to urge you to wrestle with. Today, the rest of this day, this week, whatever it takes. I need for you to come to terms with Jesus. You say, what's the cost? Well, I've tried to lay out some of the benefits, some of the pros to following Jesus today. All of these things that Jesus does for you. He's not just forgetting about you. God is not some distant, far-removed God up in the sky somewhere who's just, you know, kind of down there watching us struggle through life. No, Jesus is intimately involved in your life, and he has been since the very beginning of time. And he will continue to be into eternity present and future. Yes, there is a sacrifice. There is a cost. Uh, We didn't talk a lot about that today, but Jesus said, If you want to if you want to follow me, if you you would come after me, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. What does it profit a person to gain the whole world and yet forfeit or give up his soul? soul? You have a soul. 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 We all do. And by the grace of God, it will live on into eternity in one place or another. I don't know about you, but I want to see you in heaven. I want to see you all in heaven. We're going to have a Grace Church potluck in heaven. Do you know that? We're going to have a big room set aside. Judy's going to help coordinate it. Jan's going to have some of her potato salad there. It's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. The Grace Church uh, potluck is in room... 222, you know. But today I want you to think about your relationship with Jesus. Jesus gave his all to you and now he wants you to give your all to him in return. He is with you. You are not alone. Let's pray. God and Father, we come before you today to say thank you for Jesus this second person of the Trinity who is somehow mysteriously to us, even present at creation, who creates us and sustains us and prays for us and dies for us and lives in us and loves us so. Father, you are so good. God, you are so good. If there's anyone here today who has not yet come to terms with their relationship with you, may they do that today. May they surrender their heart to you. May your spirit call them. So Lord, come now, come. Speak to us. Help us. Heal us. Make us holy. In Jesus' name we pray it. Amen.